Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. Working for social service nonprofits is hard enough. Try adding fighting one of your own to survive. Mm Mm-hmm, you know where this is going. One of our next guest stories is going to have you saying, seriously? Let's hear from Rachel. Rachel Caesar, born and raised in Philadelphia. I started out working with HIV AIDS clients when I first graduated from Temple University in Philadelphia with a degree in public health. So um, I came out thinking, you know, I'm going to work in these community-based health areas and I'm going to eventually become a nurse. And I started working with the population and I realized that clinically, that's not the only way you can make an impact you know, having a a clinical background. And I realized Mm -hmm. that I really was drawn towards just helping people. In the midst of that, I started to work with different underserved populations, such as victims of domestic violence and people who suffered from different, you know, mental and emotional challenges. And pretty much the last 10 years prior to me starting my business, I worked in child welfare, leadership, Mm -hmm operate in a way that didn't align with the mission and the vision that was stated or portrayed. I realized that through working in different management positions and getting all the way up to executive director, it never changed. And I'm like, the only way I'm going to see this change is if I take ownership over it and do it myself. So that's how I got working as a consultant to help different businesses around just workplace culture and any you know HR needs that they may have. These first years of your career, you're doing some really tough stuff. You're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the worst parts of what our society has to offer, despair and sadness. How does that affect you, number one, when you're, you know, you're young starting out and so you're, you're still forming your view of the world and those are the first things you're seeing. And also like, were you inspired by anything growing up to lead you in that direction? Because that's some pretty tough work. When you're in a helping field, they have this exercise where they say, know your triggers before you do certain work, know where you stand. And with that, 
you have to be able to acknowledge like, hey, if this thing is something that I've experienced and it could have a negative impact on, you know, my life, I'm not going to do this work. Mm -hmm. I think growing up, we, we experienced certain traumatic things, HIV and AIDS, and those things weren't something I naturally experienced, but definitely domestic violence. And I didn't necessarily go into that role with that in my mind, believe it or not. But um, I guess it gravitated, I just gravitated to wanting people to have help just based off of, you know, when you're a child, you're pretty much helpless. So I really think that is like the foundation of why I went into such quote unquote heavy work, because it's like, I want to make a difference. I don't want populations to have to quote unquote, maybe suffer or experience certain things. So I'm just going to lend my heart <laughs> to you guys. Sometimes we think we're just like falling into things or it just happened this way. And then we really sit and we're like, wait, why am I doing this? Why am I yeah. so passionate about this? How did I get here? And we look at our own life and we're like, oh, yeah. And as you started to do this, like, you know, workplace development work, what were the things that you were initially seeing? Like, what were your first impressions kind of jumping in and working with these different companies to, for lack of a better phrase, clean them up? <laughs> yeah, so funny. I've been coined the fixer over the last you know, years, but just seeing that there is a level of division in terms of like C-suite, your executive team members and your frontline team members and how there's a lot of bias around and red tape to what promotions you can get. And just the way you hear people talk to you and they don't, it's just, just really terrible things, you know, around calling someone names or gossiping, you know, spreading lies, really just toxic events where it's like, what is happening? I don't necessarily believe the same nonprofit toxicity happens in, you know, corporate, you know, I believe there's still toxicity, but I feel like it's a little bit different. Me personally, the last two positions that I had prior to the pandemic, they were the worst positions of my life. And they were the ones that I prayed the most about. So I'm like, God is telling me, cannot put yourself in these positions. You have to bet on yourself. So those were some of the things that I was seeing just kind of in a generalized way. And what do you think it is about nonprofits where these issues, they show up differently? Like what, what do you think is, is the difference maker? Funding is always an issue, meaning lack of resources or no resources just because of the funding that comes from the government and if you have any private donors. So I think money is always a stress, stressor around salary and different, you know, resources and things like that. But I, the bigger issue, I think, is you have people who start nonprofits, you know, in an executive director role, and they've been there for like 20 years, 25 mm -hmm. years, and they don't want to let go of their quote unquote position. And they have dated tactics to how they lead and they're not mm -hmm. open to ongoing training they're not open to you know even sometimes technology so you're dealing with people who are 30 years behind who are in this position because they've been there for since 1985 and they have no like desire to do something differently and they hire their friends and their families members who aren't even mm -hmm. credentialed or qualified. So you're dealing with stuff like that, but expected to do this amazing, great work. So I honestly feel like that is the, from my um, experience, the, the deep-rooted issue of nonprofits 
Yeah, I feel like we need term limits on EDs. Yes, yes. <laughs> or at least like a reevaluation, which I know some organizations do, like they might have a five-year contract. And then after that, you know, there's a conversation with the board to reassess. And that seems like it should be the norm because, yeah, you have to really keep up with the times. And I guess that's really any leadership position in any industry. It does seem to be what a lot of folks complain about. Like some of these organizations do have okay resources, but it's just like, we're not using them for the right things. Like you said, the disconnect is crazy between leadership and junior level of like what the needs are. Mm -hmm. And I discussed, I put that as one of my notes, you know, embezzlement. (laughs) Mismanagement of funds is a really a, a common thing in nonprofits, um, stealing from the door clients. And you said something about board members. The board members, from my experience, are just as old as the C-suite executive staff. And it's just really difficult to kind of have any change in that. I feel like I get why people are old on boards, because a lot of the structures of these nonprofits, right, to be on the board, you need to be able to, or they want you to financially contribute. And, you know, a 28-year-old can't do that. So like, okay. And then the network, right? They want well-connected people. And once again, that's something a 28-year-old, 30-year-old might struggle with. But like, should we be thinking of that whole system differently? I would say yes. I've been invited to be on many boards. And when they send me over the contracts, I'm like, what? It's no way I can afford to pay this monthly or to pay this or not, or get up all of these hours of this. And you have to, you know, raise funds. It's really a lot of um, responsibilities that they hold you to contractually. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it can feel like, oh, I don't want to take this on. So you have the people who are older, who are more stable and have the connections and they just stay on for years. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your own experiences. Tell us, you know, what, you know, what you feel comfortable sharing. Can you give us some examples of some things that you encountered working in social services, nonprofit spaces that will stick with you? Like what are those big memorable things? Well, in 2018, I was five years in working in a management role for a foster care adoption agency. And I was was at my peak. I couldn't, you know, go into another position. So I said, I really want to move on. And um, I was recruited by an executive at an, another, and I'm not going to say name just because of some other stuff that, you know, but um, recruited to come in and take pretty much control over their selling foster care and adoption departments. It was a great role in terms of the title. The salary was great and I'm definitely equipped. So, you know, really excited about going into this position. I also saw the person as someone who could potentially be a mentor and, you know, give me some leadership and, and I guess guidance around certain things. So I was really excited. I get into the position and they didn't have a full certification. And when you're working in certain fields, you have to be fully licensed by the government in order to be seen as viable, but also in order for you to get funding. So part of what my I was tasked with was to come in and help them get a full license because they were on a provisional license. So I came in and I went through everything. And I want to say within 90 days, turned everything around 100%. And after that happened, I started to kind of have these like weird interactions with some of the staff that I was overseeing. I've always been a person to, you know, communicate and to have a platform for people to bring up their ideas and all of that. 
And the person who recruited me, which I didn't know until much later, was having side conversations with the team members without my knowledge. So the resistance mm-hmm. that I was receiving was because of this other layer where I guess I was being undermined. And, um, you know, it had come to my attention that someone had like filed a false report on me to HR and I found out about it in a really crazy way. And when I confronted the person who recruited me, they were shocked to know that I knew that this person told this terrible lie on me. And I'm like, what is going on? And I started to realize that like something was happening. As time went on, I would have tasks taken off my plate without a real reason. I would have just a lot of resistance. And I had people who were like, randomly come in and check in to see what I was doing. And I was getting all of this other like feedback around my schedule. When I say stuff that was so bizarre, I thought I was like in the twilight zone. And when it all came out, they tried to accuse me of doing something with audits where I didn't do an audit right or something like that. Something that's completely untrue. I've been known to be poured in to help people with compliance, which is why I was poured in to help them. So to mm-hmm. say that I did something with compliance and documentation, it was just so like unbelievable. Come to find out there was some type of sabotage where they, when I came in and I got everything done, for whatever reason, they didn't want to keep me on because they didn't have a valid reason to let me go. Most companies, you know, they'll say, oh, you no, know, whatever, whatever, they'll let you go. They decided to do these smaller things to get me to quit or to just, you know, have me be pushed to the limit that I would just, you know, say, forget it. And I didn't quit mm-hmm. because I'm like, what is happening? And I couldn't get, it was like a, a game of just emotional mind games being played and I couldn't get a real answer. And um, when everything came out, um, I saw emails where the person who recruited me was having conversations with the staff under me to come up with lies about what I was doing during the day, the time that I would get there, the time that I would leave. It was a whole underground, if you will, plan to get me out. And I didn't realize this was happening until they suspended me and their quote unquote HR person, and I'm doing air quotes, was doing an investigation. And in the investigation, it came out that they were being told to say these things and to do these things to me just to give me a hard time as a way for me to quit. And when I found out it was a whole thing and there was some litigation in place. So that was the craziest thing for the most part that I had experienced. And specific to race, and I'm gonna say something, and this may be an unpopular belief, the person who recruited me was a black woman. Lord, no. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ugh. Most of the staff under me, I will say they were white. And the person who recruited me, her direct boss was also white. So there was a few of us that were black, but the person who recruited me and the person who was spearheading this, you know, campaign around attacking my character and having people lie on me and play these mind games. She was black. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this because (laughs) heartbreaking. It hits differently. You expect things to happen from white folks because this is just like our position in this world, in this country. Like 
we just know some things are going to go down and we're just prepared for it. And we've been prepared for it since we were like kids. Like we just know. And when it turns out that it's somebody who looks like you or even sometimes just another um, brown, like a brown person, another marginalized person, you're like, really? Like you just sold out like that. Why do you think that happens and that we're that happens so often and that it seems kind of easy for us to be used as pawns to hurt each other? Like, why is that so common? I honestly feel like in my case, the person who recruited me, I don't know if they really thought I was going to do what I did. Meaning like, I don't know if they really thought I was going to come in and kill it. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy to think that considering they recruited me, but I honestly right. feel like when they saw that I was just going beast mode and showing results and I honestly feel like, I don't know if a level of like envy came into play, but something happened where she decided to start this campaign to quote unquote take me under. And um, I felt so stupid because everybody knew but me. But I honestly feel like, you know, maybe it's just envy, you know, when it's quote unquote, like brown on brown or black on black. How do you do this to someone who's doing everything right and beyond what the timeline is to have something done? Because it just, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that probably is part of the reason for most women who experience that form of like betrayal. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And it's like this whole mentality, you would think we would be over this at this point of like, there can be more than one of us. Why do we get competitive when we feel like we're not the like unicorn black woman anymore? We're not the star of that show. Crazy. Because imagine you admiring someone and looking forward and this is, they're looking at you with quote unquote green eyes. I wouldn't have been as like vulnerable or as naive. Yeah. Like it really sucks because you want to be able to go into a job and feel comfortable enough to be yourself as time builds, share a little bit, you know, before the meeting starts or like have rapport because we're told and, and white folks tell us like, that's how you're going to get promoted. You need to show up to the happy hours. You need to like show us pictures of your dog. How was Cancun? Like <laughs> we're told that that is required. So then we do share, we do let the guard down a little bit. We, we do go in like super friendly and it still doesn't work. Still doesn't work. So when you finally got pushed out, what point in the job were you in? How long were you in it? Maybe month seven. What? Yeah. Dang. 
Yep. They said that I had did something with an audit. They mm-hmm. suspended me and they did an investigation. And in the investigation, that's when everything, because I guess maybe some of the other employees may have gotten scared when they were asked certain questions. And that's mm-hmm. when everything came out about them being a part of this plan. And they then came back to me and invite them in HR and they say, oh, okay, we're going to pay you your time because they, they suspended me without pay. So we're going to give you your pay for the time you were suspended. Suspended. We're going to give you a severance package. And pretty much they tried to make it seem like, oops, my bad. And I pushed back and I'm like, no, you guys did all this craziness to me for no reason. And I got a lawyer and I sued them and we settled. Very good. Hello. <laughs> They weren't happy, but they also weren't expecting it. And I think that's something that when women are going through these things, you know, it's like, don't allow someone to bully you. I don't believe in fighting everything. You know, you want to have discernment around what do I give my energy to? And if it's something that's just really, really crazy, I think that's what you give your energy to and you fight it and you advocate for yourself and you lean in. And on trusted people who can encourage you because it is going to be really, really emotionally draining and you fight. Mm. Sometimes we have to do things for the greater good. It's not always about us. It's about after us. You know, we mm-hmm. don't want other, other women to have to experience these terrible things. So that was a reason why I sued them as well, because they had never been sued. People just ate it and, you know, kept going. And I think folks think if I really go in there and I'm quiet, the, the right amount of quiet, right? You can't be too quiet, right? Because this is like tightrope. If I'm in there and I mind my own business and I do well, I can avoid these things. But like you said, they'll find something, they'll make up something and just put it out there, even if they have no proof of it, because it's all about firing you in a way that is legal so that it's not seen as retaliatory. And it's a whole campaign. And I'm really sorry that that happened to you because I mean, the trust issues. So I was just going to segue into what led me into the other position that was definitely specific to race. So at that time, I'm just like, you know, I'm a firm believer and I'm like, you know what, maybe I should just give my, lend myself to a faith-based organization. And I found one beautiful mission statement sites throughout nationwide, national agency very, um, from what I thought initially diverse, get hired in a role that was a startup um, in terms of a new program that they received a bunch of funding from for, for the federal government. And when I say startup, meaning like we're finding a location to have the program and we're doing construction. So that's what I mean when I say startup. So went through that entire process and we get to the point where I have a staff and we're now having children come into this program. And at the time, most of the staff was probably bilingual um, in Spanish. And I was speaking to one of the employees who was working under me and she told me her salary, just kind of like in conversation. This was like one of the first things that I had, you know, spoke about in terms of bringing it to someone's attention. And she told me how much he made. And I'm like, how the heck do you make that? I am making this. This is in my mind because I'm like, she's not as, she's working under me. She's not as credential. She doesn't have the same level of experience. Why is she making this? This doesn't make sense to me. So I brought it up 
to my direct supervisor and she pretty much was like, oh, well, the pot that she was being paid out, they had more funding. It was something crazy. So that was like the first thing that kind of started, if you will, some bad blood because I brought that to their attention that the salary, it was drastically different considering I came in with certain education um, experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever experienced this where you have someone who may be working kind of on the side of you, maybe in another department. They're not necessarily over you. You're not necessarily over them. Kind of a lateral, maybe colleague type role. But the work that they do, I want to say it doesn't require the same level of expertise. So I had Mm -hmm. someone who was working in quality assurance and we would do things just around reporting and all of that. And I started to get requests to report to her on certain things. And these people are white. And I'm like, why would I be reporting to quality assurance about these things? Like what's happening? Yet again, no one could give me a real answer. So it got to the point where they pretty much, without saying it, made this person who didn't have the same credentials or experience, not didn't even, have, didn't even know what she was doing, that I was like reporting to her. So I'm like, why would I be reporting to a quality assurance specialist when I am the state director? It doesn't make sense. And the person, because she thought she was big shit, (laughs) she's now like, oh, my neck. So now you have someone who thinks that, you know, they're over me and are talking to me all crazy. And they're doing things to, from my perspective, felt very like, um, poke the beer. And I'm speaking out to the person, the head of the actual Southeastern region on what's happening. And they're kind of like, you know, they don't want to say, yes, it's true, but they're also not saying it's not, it's not true. So they're like, oh, well, you know, it's just because you have this on your plate or, you know, we wanted to take this off. We felt like, you know, you would be best. And I'm like, no, I, everything you're saying, show me why you think that. Let's start there. Did I mess up? Did I do something? No. So why do you have me reporting to this person who is clearly underqualified? Mm-hmm. And that started my whole down spiral with that agency. While all of this was happening, I was pretty much not arguing, but I'm pushing back on what's happening because I'm like, this is crazy. And then COVID happened. So COVID happened and they were trying to get me to work. And I'm like, well, my you know, my son's school is closed. Like I can't. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, have to resign because I can't. And that's how that ended. And that's when I said, you know, I can't, I can never, I don't want to say never, but God, I feel like you showed me why I need to be doing what I'm doing because I keep putting hope into thinking like, okay, well, this is going to be better, or this is going to give me what I really want, or they're going to treat me different, or they're going to have a different, you know, sense of, you know, morale or, you know, and it just, it never happened. So I'm like, all right, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I hear you. Yep. I got, I get it. I I find, don't worry. I get it. Don't give me anything else. Got it. <laughs> so talk to me about transitioning into working for yourself. What was that like? It was scary, but I felt like I had no choice after those last two crazy experiences. And I just started to like write down what I wanted to see, why I wanted it, you know, what my vision was, why my vision was. And it literally just started with like a thought. And at the time we were like in the height of the pandemic and a lot of these companies weirdly were getting a lot of funds to 
kind of keep staff on and things like that. And through networking, I knew someone who knew someone who had a company and they had received money to hire and to bring on, I don't want to say diversity hires, but to expand their company because everyone was working remotely and they reached out to me and that's how it started. It literally started from someone saying, hey, this is what I need. I didn't even have the business fully incorporated at that time. It was still kind of like a vision where I was still flushing it out. And I did some, if you, you know, on a job training, if you will, around what my specialty was and how I could really best, you know, serve these businesses. And that's how it started, just from someone saying, hey, I got this money. I need to hire some team members. How can you help me? What would you say to people who are currently dealing with topics very similar to the stories that you shared? They don't know if they want to do their own thing yet, but they are just feeling really defeated because it's like job after job, something is happening. They feel targeted. They don't feel supported. Like what advice do you have for people in that position? One of the things that I didn't have, but wish I had, I wish I had had some form of mentorship. Someone who kind of like is in the field or who knows the landscape, who can like support you and pour into you and just be someone of encouragement. And if you don't have someone who is relatable, you know, having someone in your family, just some form of support, because it's really, really emotionally difficult. So I would say that's the first thing. Um, or have a therapist, because you have to get this stuff out, because it's just insane to have to keep it all in. And I would say, bet on yourself, because I don't know if mm. someone else can meet your needs. You know, especially when you're kind of running into these position after position, things aren't working out. I think that's a, a huge okay. sign to do something on your own terms, because it's like if you don't see it, you have to make it. You have to build it. You have to do it yourself if no one else has this thing that you know there is a need for. And that really takes someone who can be courageous and who's just maybe even walking out on blind faith. That's really hard for folks. I feel like not everyone feels like it's their ministry. <laughs> I always say it's not my ministry. Like some people really just work to pay the bills to live. And I think that's perfectly fine and understandable. And so it is kind of hard when you realize like, maybe you're getting a sign that your needs won't be met. So now you're going to have to do this thing that you never planned on doing. You're going to have to trust in yourself and break out on your own and and, and possibly do more work <laughs> than you thought you'd have to do. But it's kind of like that check-in, right? Like whether, you know, some folks listening might pray and, and believe in God, but others might have different avenues. But it's just like checking in to see like, what's my path today? What's my new purpose? If I Have I missed a message? Should I be moving differently? Was something that was a good plan last year no longer a good plan? It's like that constant check-in, unfortunately, I feel like we have to do but I mean, can lead to really exciting, fulfilling things like what you're doing now. Yeah, the unknown. And I do think, yes, to what you're, if a person doesn't have the same ministry around like entrepreneurship and being a business owner, I think keep trying to make connections where you will land in a place that is conducive. It may be changing a different department, asking for a different team, you know, because I do understand that everyone mm -hmm. just, they just won't have that as their vision. And you still have to survive and have your livelihood in place. So to the best of your ability, just try mm -hmm. to get out of that situation and 
one of your questions was like, what do you recommend that a person does when they're in these situations? Document, document, document. And by document, don't document to your company email. Document to your personal email. So when you're sending emails, blindly also copy your personal email because you need to show a paper trail. Mm, a, yeah. I would say always copy, you know, try to copy someone in HR, try to copy another supervisor, you know, not as your first point of contact when you're expressing concern or, or agreements, but you want to be able to kind of like cover your butt. If you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And it's hard for people to dispute something that's documented. They'll try. So I would also say as a form of like protection, always keep a record of mm. what's happening, but to your personal email address. That way, you know, if they lock you out, you have your own record keeping. What I will say, you don't escape it even when you're doing the thing that you love. And I thought, hey, once I start doing this, I can control, you know, and I can because I can say, hey, I'm not going to keep you on as a client or so I have control over that. But it doesn't take away the fact that you mm -hmm. still may come face to face with it because I have, you know what I mean? So I think learning like you're never going to rid yourself of something, even when you think this thing will cause some form of protection, you, you're able to navigate it differently. But I've learned you won't completely eliminate these things. You just because race is always there. Being a woman is always there. Yeah. And it, it seems like it's just about us getting more strategic and just doing all we can to be prepared for what's to come. And of course, over the years, you get smarter. The first time you have that big heartbreak, whether it's from someone who looks like you or for someone who doesn't, you know, you might be thrown off and a little bewildered and like, okay, what do I do? But by the sixth time, hopefully, prayerfully, it doesn't feel as like, dang, my whole world just crashed because you know what to do, you know who to call, and you have hopefully some backups, whether it be savings or connections for consulting or whatever to help make sure that you can still survive it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought up savings because sometimes when we make these decisions, you're going to have to have some money to kind of like live while you're figuring stuff out. You know what I mean? And I know that is hard considering the reality of things, you know, with inflation and, oh my God, it's just terrible. But try, even if it's like $10 a week, try to have some form of a safety net because we can't control when these things happen and we still have to be able to live. So I would also speak into that as well as having some type mm. of a plan. But then it's kind of like, I don't want to go into things with this fear. And it's like, it's not a fear, just a form of being prepared. Having multiple disappointing work experiences is hard on the spirit. That rejection and the constant tension and the desperation for peace can really feel like it's taking over your life. And while many of us will experience workplace hardship, not all is lost. We learn, we grow, and we have a better lawyer next time around. <laughs> Keep your head up and we'll talk next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.